Welcome to Talos Takes, the security podcast for everyone from the C-suite to the hey, front Hey, hello lines. everyone. Welcome to another episode of Talos Takes. Today, I am joined by Chris Neal from Talos Outreach to talk about malicious Windows drivers. Thanks for coming on, Chris. Hey, thanks for having me. So today we're going to talk about malicious Windows drivers and, and how attackers are using them. Because earlier this month, we released a blog post from you that's the first in a a series on how malicious drivers work and how security researchers or just any of our readers can kind of look at them and reverse engineer them to learn more about what attackers are doing. So I wanted to start out by asking you about why this is a particular subject you became interested in. You know, like, was there like a particular attack that stood out to you over the past couple of months or just something else that you were like, oh, this is actually a topic that I need to be looking at closer? Yes, yeah, so I, I don't know if there was one thing in particular that got me interested in drivers, but I've always kind of wanted to learn about Windows internals and the kernel uh, ever since I got into computers. It always kind of seemed like it was almost a forbidden knowledge or some kind of a dark art that uh, was really difficult to grasp and get into. Um, it's actually only a few years ago that I that I decided to start learning about this kind of stuff and try to hunt down the material that I needed to teach myself about it. Um, which I quickly found that it was uh, there was a fairly steep learning curve to it. Ultimately, my goal was to learn enough to be able to reverse engineer malicious drivers and rootkits and stuff like that, and hunt them down and try to find new uh, new campaigns and stuff like that. Let's kind of talk about the basics of what drivers are uh, next, because I bet a lot of our listeners know like what a driver is. You know, like download this thing for your printer to get it to work on your computer. But kind of what are the basics of how attackers are choosing to use them in malicious ways and what kind of ad advantages are they gaining from using this tactic yeah so the uh i think the, the main reason that threat actor would use a malicious driver is that they're really difficult to detect once they're installed on a system as compared to user remote executables or you know typical files that a, that a threat actor would use drivers exist in the kernel space they run in the kernel space, which is separate from the user mode, which is where most people, you know, <laughs> use Windows. So they're they're a lot more difficult to detect for uh, AV and endpoint detection products, simply because they can't see into the kernel like they can into the into the user space. But but if a driver is successfully used to maintain persistence on a system, which is what they're generally used for in attacks, um, then AV and endpoint systems generally aren't going to see any suspicious activity coming from them. Again, this, this is purely because they, they can't see into the kernel because they're, they're not a part of the Windows system. So they can't access it. On top of being really difficult to detect, drivers can also manipulate parts of the system that's not possible from user mode, doing things like accepting, intercepting and altering data as it's being received from the network, manipulating or killing processes, changing system settings, and then pretty much anything else you can think of that, a, that an attacker would want to do. Um, but th there's a caveat from the attacker's perspective is that drivers are really hard to write correctly, but really easy to write incorrectly. So not every attacker is going to have the skill sets necessary to write one. So they're, they're not as common as you would think, considering how beneficial they are to use from an attacker perspective. And there are other aspects to it as well that makes them difficult to deploy. To deploy, like getting around the code signing requirements in Windows and the actual installation of the driver once it's on the target system. All, all that stuff can compl complicate things for um, the attacker. But, but if the attacker is going to 
use a driver in their infection chain, they would want to be fairly confident that it was going to actually behave the way that they intended, especially if it's like a critical part of their attack chain. So for a lot of threat actors, using drivers is kind of too much of a pain to deal with because there's a lot that can go wrong. Uh, but on the other hand, if a threat actor does have the skill set to deploy those driver to deploy those drivers, they can be pretty effective as a persistence mechanism. So th there's a lot of reasons why an attacker would use a driver, and there's a lot of reasons why they wouldn't use a driver. So it's it's just kind of you know weighing the, the benefits versus the costs for um, the attack chain essentially. Can you kind of tell me about an example of where you were able to use one of these to learn more about what an attacker's doing, or to maybe help? craft detection or you know defense mechanisms like what's a you know is there a specific malware campaign or something that comes to mind for you and for like even somebody else who i know you know a fellow researcher who might be listening what are some tactics that you can use to reverse engineer these drivers essentially to learn more about their ttps Sure. I, I, one of my favorite examples is a, a blog that I did last year on a malicious driver, a type of malicious driver called uh, Red Driver. It, it was really interesting because there there was no obfuscation on it, which I would like to mention that obfuscation is becoming more and more common on uh, malicious drivers nowadays. Uh, a lot of a lot of them use VM Protect, which makes it a lot harder to do anything regarding reverse engineering. Every time I find one, I I just kind of go on to the next one because there's pretty much nothing I, I, I can do with my skill set to uh, reverse engineer those. But there's a lot of interesting things going on in Red Driver, like what I mentioned earlier with manipulating network data as it comes in from the network. What this was doing was it was essentially taking all of the browser traffic that was coming in through, coming into the browser and then redirecting it to another malware that they had installed in the system. And then they were digging through the data as it was coming in. Taking a look at that kind of stuff is really interesting to me because you can get a get an idea of why attackers are are using these things and why they would want something at that low of a level. So I think just taking a look at the the different imports that are in the driver, like for example, the um the red driver samples I was looking at were importing the Windows filtering platform, which is a typically used by antivirus software to monitor network traffic and stuff like that. So I think just taking a look at what functions they import and then trying to reason why they would uh, be importing those things, you give you a pretty good idea of what they're trying to do with that driver. Yeah, I'll definitely be sure to link to the red driver post in the uh, show notes, obviously, because I do think that I agree with you. That's a good example. And I specifically remember working with you on that post. So certainly we'll be linking to the most recent blog that we're talking about, but yeah, that's a good example that people can refer back to. And specifically in the, the most recent blog post, you wrote about Windows, malicious Windows drivers, but I'm wondering if there's kind of like an equivalent attack type or methods or anything for other operating systems. Like obviously drivers, you know, most people associate most closely with Windows, but is, is there anything similar for Mac, Linux, Unix, for other types of operating systems or is this specifically an attack vector that exists on windows machines i do know of, of malicious drivers in licks I, I don't know how common they are in the wild it's just something i haven't dug into yet yeah for mac i personally have no idea and that's kind of about my realm of experience but i i wouldn't be surprised if it's happened or people are trying to do it i'd imagine that in 
any other operating system, it would give them similar access like it would Windows. So it, it to me, if, if the the vector exists, then someone's probably already done it or is trying to do it. So can you kind of give us a preview of what else you'll be writing about as part of the series? Like, you know, this initial introduction was part one, but what are some other topics that you plan on covering on the blog in the coming months? Sure. Yeah. So uh, this, yeah, like you said, the, the first one was kind of the introduction to things. You know, I uh, introduced what a driver is, how the Windows kernel interacts with drivers. But as the series goes on, what I'm my goal with it is is to just kind of walk the reader through the process of learning about the kernel and drivers without overloading too much information. I've provided a lot of links in the in these posts to you know encourage reading different sources because no one's going to be able to learn about drivers from a single source. You have to go go out and search for the information you need. In the next blog post, I'll be talking about ioctals, which is um, part of the IO system um, operations in regards to regards to drivers. I'll be talking about, I think it'll be in this next one or the third one. I'll be talking about debugging drivers, loading a driver into a VM and then uh, doing remote debugging and, you know, popping it into a disassembler and what to look for and that kind of stuff. So eventually down the line, we'll get to how to reverse engineer or analyze the samples that you find. And is there anything else on this topic in general that uh, you kind of wanted to talk about now while I have you that maybe we didn't cover already or I just anything that I didn't ask about? Sure. Yeah. One thing I, I always like to point out when I talk about drivers and you know threat actors using drivers is that some people would be really worried about malicious drivers becoming more prominent and stuff like that. And one thing I, I think it's important to remember is that to install a malicious driver, you already have to have system level access. And if an attacker has system level access on a machine on your network, you have bigger problems than just that driver on the machine, they were able to get inside that network. You know, working on the on the network security basics and getting everything locked down and just keeping the initial payload out of your network should be the uh, the main focus, not mm. worrying about, you know, drivers down the line because by the time it gets to that, you're already breached. So and I think not immediately worrying about drivers and just worrying about the initial infection vector is, is a more effective way of protecting against uh, malicious drivers. All right. Awesome. Well, thank you, Chris, for taking the time to talk to me today. Like I said, I'll be linking to your blog post in the show notes so that folks can read more on this. Uh, obviously, it's, it's for a little bit more technical audience, but still, I, I hope that this podcast kind of serves then as a uh, explain like I'm five version to folks who just kind of sort of know what a driver is. Uh, but thanks for coming on, Chris, and uh, look forward to reading the next entry. Cool. Thank you.